Hey everyone, this is the Detoxicity Podcast, and I'm Mike Joseph. I appreciate your support of this podcast, so please make sure that you mash that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen. Also, feel free to leave a comment and rating on the podcast if the platform supports it. You can follow me on Instagram at It's Mike Joseph, and if you have an idea for a show or you'd like to be on the show yourself, drop me a line at detoxpod at gmail.com. Once again, that is detoxpod at gmail.com. And if you're going to post about this podcast on social media at all, please make sure that you also use the hashtag DetoxPod. My interview subject on this episode is Garrett Gonzalez, who co-founded the neighborhood discovery site Nextdoor.com. He also runs Fight Game Media, a platform for wrestling and MMA-related blogs and podcasts. Despite being a multi-hyphenate, Garrett defines himself primarily as a dad. In addition to discussing what it's like to be a divorced father of two kids by the age of 30, me and Garrett talk about the need for mentors, the dangers of celebrity worship, and giving marriage another try. We also discuss how important recognizing your people is and how that's allowed us to maintain and cultivate a friendship for the last 20 years, despite living across the country from one another. Garrett's story is quite relatable. He's an amazing guy, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. I am Garrett Gonzalez. I am a dad. I am a divorced dad, though soon to be remarried dad. I am a uh, nextdoor.com employee. I am a co-founder. I am a sports enthusiast. I am a podcast host. And overall, I would say that uh, I'm a a pretty level-headed guy. You are a pretty level-headed guy. I I wonder if that's a California thing, because everybody I've met from California has been so chill. (laughs) Do people get angry in California at all? Yeah, you know, there's lots of reasons to be angry in California. Uh, It's really busy in certain cities out here. Uh, You know, you live in this Silicon Valley, and just to give you an idea... uh, I was at work the other day and Twitter, you know, the main Twitter headquarters is in the same building as, as where I work. And it's so busy in this building and there's so many people trying to go up and down and just in the elevator, just for one, you know, to go down one floor. And, you know, so of course one of the elevators stops working. So now Instead of there being five of us waiting two or three minutes for an elevator, now there's 15 of us waiting for, you know, two or three uh, elevators to, to come up and down. And then what happens is, is it's so packed that you, you like you go, you get an elevator and you look and you're like, oh, but that's full. So you can't use you can't it. get on. And then the next one comes through and you're like, oh, that's full. And then the next one comes and you're like, that's full, too. But guess what? Like, I, I have to squeeze in here because I've been waiting 15 minutes just to go down two floors. So, I mean, so, you know, from a busyness perspective, obviously, you know, I'm sure uh, New York is 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 just as or or busier. But I think people kind of put their head down a little bit more and they just they just go. You know, there's traffic problems. Lots of stuff to do out here, which brings people here. So it's it's like, um, you know, you have lots of people who did not grow up in California who moved to California, which one that that makes it great. But it also makes it heavily populated. Sure. Though I did see some stats like California. People are definitely leaving California for other states. Texas, Arizona. Yeah, there are more people leaving California in these last couple years, or I don't know, maybe even more, then there are actually people coming to California. So it's actually it's actually getting a little a little uh, uh, you know it's going the other way a little bit. Huh. Interesting. I am 
curious about the fact that you introduced yourself first as a dad. Yep. I, I know I've known you for a long time. I've, I, I know your kids. You talk about them a lot. But still, I was kind of surprised that you introduced yourself as a dad first. And obviously, fatherhood means a lot to you. You know, the when you think about the labels that we put on ourselves, the only, you know, you know, I've been a student, uh, you know, uh, at five years of age, but at some point school ends in college. Now I'm, I always think of myself sort of as a student when I learn new things or, you know, when we, when we go into new hobbies or you're always wanting to, to get really good at something, you still consider yourself a student, but technically, you know, I stopped being a student when I graduated from college. I am a son, you know, I've always, I've been a son. Maybe that's the label that, uh, or a dude, a guy, (laughs) those labels have, have been since birth, but the thing that I've now been a dad for, it'll be 21 years, you know, in the summer. So I've been a dad pretty much longer than I've been anything else. And that's still how I think of myself. In my first marriage, I was only, we were only married for six or seven years and about to get married again. I'm going to have to be married a long time before I would even consider that that label the the husband label, you know, so, something that I would think of more than than the dad label. But, you know, it may happen. Maybe maybe that does happen because my kids are getting older, right? But yeah, you I'm always I always feel like I'm dad first and foremost. And you're still a relatively young guy. We are almost the exact same age to the day. 3 days apart. Yep. And so you're a pretty young dad. How does it feel to be a young person, relatively young person yourself, and be the dad of, I mean, your oldest is turning 21 this summer. You're a father of a full-fledged adult. Yeah, you know, what's so interesting is I always thought that I would have a third child at some point. But part of that was, um, and the reason why it didn't happen is because when I got divorced, I stuck around where my kids were uh, were living, which is Gilroy, where we had bought the house, and, and that's where we were living. Like, I didn't move. I was like, okay, until these kids are in high school or in college, you know, I'm going to be here. So Gilroy is very much a family town. It is not a town for a single person to be in at, at all, but... At the same time, I don't think I would have really even gotten into a serious relationship at that point because I wanted to focus on my kids and I wanted to make sure that as they were growing up, I was there and I was able to do whatever I needed to do in, in you know, with them. And so I didn't really get out of that until my f- oldest went to college and my youngest was a junior in high school and he's driving and he's got, you know, tons of stuff to do. But um, it wasn't that I didn't date either. Like I dated, but it was just like, okay, like this isn't good enough to sort of bring into my my real life. When I, uh, you know, when I was really seriously looking and, and dating and I found my, my fiance, Crystal, she, you know, lo and behold, she's got three. And I always looked for, I always wanted to look for somebody who had kids because I think our similarities would, would with being um, a parent would really help. I, I think it would be really hard for me as uh, as a dad to date someone who didn't have kids just because like they immediately and inherently wouldn't know why I feel the way that I do, where hmm. they say that I'm a dad. 
Um, and I, you know, I, I dated a few that that did not have a, a child, and, and and it's you know everyone is nice, and they're trying to you know they can't I can't have them be empathetic to me as a parent because they've never been a parent themselves. But you know, with, with Crystal, I'm like literally back in the game. Like her kids, <laughs> her kids are ten. She's uh, two twin boys and four. So you know, like like I don't think we're gonna have another another kid. But it's because we have three who are very young, you know, and so I don't, you know, I don't need to have another child. Like I have three who I, you know, I'm like, I just removed like 10 years from my life and I'm back (laughs) where I was. And that's how I really feel, which is like, okay, I cannot like sort of grow old here because now I have these other three kids, one of who is four and who, you know, I joke with the four year old, I'm like, you know that you're going to college at 16, not 18, right? I mean, because she's she's really smart, but it, you know, I just kind of joke with her, and she just kind of looks at me like, "Huh? What are you even talking about?" All right, what's college? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've got like a Brady Bunch thing happening right now. Yeah, and you know, we're we're gonna get married this summer, and and the focus of our or the theme for our wedding is G, which is. Our last, well, my last name starts with a G. Mm-hmm. Her, her last, her maiden name started with a G. Her married name started with a G. So her kids have G as their their initial for their last name. And so there's seven of us: my boys, her boys, her daughter, and the two of us. And so our logo for the wedding is G seven. Hey. Written very much like, and we you know, we kind of stole this. Don't don't tell Joe. Um, we stole this from the Jackson Five logo, which is the J with <laughs> J the hearts five, at the right, end, right. the five with the hearts at the end. Yep. So that's our logo, and that's kind of how we define ourselves as a family. And people are starting to define us a- as a family in that way too. You know, they they know how much that means to us to try and be as connected as possible. Even though my kids are like out and about, you know, like the you know when my boys were here for uh, for Christmas. That's the most time that my fiance has gotten to spend with them because they're in Arizona. But we go see them in Arizona and we hang out with them and, and, you know, but trying to make the family feel connected when the age difference is so vast. Like there's 11 years between her oldest and my oldest. Right. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, I mean, but we're, you know, but that's, that's really how we're, we're trying to, to define the family as, you know, as this mixed and, and combined family. Should also add that G is the seventh letter of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. So that works. There's a lot of connectivity there. It's like the whole uh, Jay Z Beyonce four thing. And and look, if we had another kid, G eight doesn't sound as cool. That is true. That is true. <laughs> That's a good reason to keep it at seven. You got you got married and had kids at a very young age. I was. Let's see. I just turned. Uh, 23 i think when i had my oldest so yeah so literally i graduate from from college i turn 23 and a month later exactly is when brian was born that's bananas so did okay so did the kids come did the oldest come before the marriage or did the marriage come so before the, ma- the kid the, the marriage you know I mean? the marriage came after the kid but we didn't even really think about getting married until the second child was on its way and then it was like 
okay, we haven't really, you know, we, we, we haven't really made it about the marriage. We haven't made that a big deal. But with the second kid coming, probably is a, a better idea for them that we do get married. And, uh, and that was, that was the, the basis was to do it before the second kid was born. Cause both kids, you know, they're, um, gosh, I think they're like 16 or 17 months apart. Once you got into that situation, I mean, by the time you were 25, you were married and a father of two. Yep. What is, and I just think back to when I was 25, which would coincidentally have been when you were 25. <laughs> and I didn't know my ass from my elbow at that age. How, looking back, what what was your frame of mind going into that? Were you like thinking long term, like, okay, we're going to do this whole thing for we're going to be married for 40 years and, you know, have the house and the swing set in the back for the grandkids and that whole thing. I just had this conversation with some friends last night, actually. And, you know, when my ex-wife and I, when we got together, there were some rough patches just in, in dating. We were on completely different pages. And so just to kind of go back a little bit, my parents were married and had me at... 21 22 i think mm -hmm. so my parents are really young for how old i am and so as i'm growing up that's what i know which is oh like that's just what you do you know you're 21 22 23 and you get married and you have kids and you kind of move through life like that you know it, it's sort of what i knew but i also knew that not many people do that and so it be, kind of became a little bit of a challenge to me uh, because i i did want i wanted kids probably since i was in high school like that really yeah i was so connected to that idea and so carol and i started dating there was a disconnect because she grew up in a, like almost opposite from me her parents were really old she's the baby and you know her sister is like i think like i don't know 13 years older than her or something like that so it was a little, it was like the flip and she definitely wanted kids and she definitely wanted to get married at some point, but I don't think her dreams of doing that young were like mine were. And so when we did get pregnant, because it was something that I, believe me, I was scared as hell, but <laughs> even though, you know, that was something that necessarily wasn't her idea, I think the thing that I really loved was she morphed into this person who she really changed her life. She really changed the idea of what her life was going to be to be a mom. And for me, I just looked at it like this is what I wanted to do. You know, I have other dreams and stuff, but this was like the biggest one. So it's like to me, I'm like, wow, like I got to to do this at a young age. And, you know, look, she she's uh, she's a really good mom. I mean, you know, we have kids who are in college. You can't be super dysfunctional, you know, for that to happen as it did. Uh, but it just wasn't something that she wanted like that young. Like if you asked her, she probably would have said, yeah, you know, let's fast forward 10 years and then we can do this. But I think the thing that the sort of the glue that held us together was just this idea that when you're that young, you are not going to do a good job of raising kids or continuing your life. And so we kind of challenged each other to make sure that we succeeded at, at what we were doing. And so it became, okay, we, we're going to buy a house. And, you know, buying a house and 
California in you know the year 2000 was still very expensive, not as expensive as it is today. But people my age or even people 20 and 30 years older than me weren't buying houses because it's just so crazy. And so, you know, we, we bought a house uh, before JJ was born and then we had the cars and then we both had solid careers and, you know, she's working mom. I'm we did all those things. And it got to the point of where we were like, OK, what's the next challenge? You know, moved south and bought a new house, which is kind of like the dream house. Heesh. And so by, you know, by that time, kids are in kindergarten or Brian's in kindergarten, JJ's in preschool. And we kind of look at each other and go like, you know, what's left to do? Like who, what else can we knock off to where we kind of got each other's back? And I think at that point, you're just like, wow, we did all this stuff. Congratulations. But what's next? And what we had missed in that time, I think we just lost the friendship because we were trying so desperately hard to prove people wrong or I, and I don't even know if there were people who were like telling us that we couldn't do this but that was just the mindset mm-hmm. and you know you kind of lost the connection and, and lose the the love and the friendship and look you know we still had each other's back but it was just like this is not working in the way that we had originally designed it to work and how are we going to get out of this and you know that's when the separation and eventually divorce happened. But I think, I think that the, 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 the slight difference in our personalities is she was like, okay, if I don't really force this, he's going to sit in this unhappy marriage forever because that's what he was taught. And so she kind of had to be the one to play point on that because I think she knew that because we have children that I was never going to lead that to to lead a separation or something so she had to play point on that and go through with it um, because she knew that i just wasn't so she sort of led the charge on that i think was she correct in her assumption that you know be that you were committed to sort of staying in the marriage no matter what yeah i mean i i think i i think my my mindset or my idea would always be like okay we're still young. We can fix it. We're going through some rough spots. You know, it's really about um, raising these kids together and having each other's back, and that's gonna gonna win out. And and that was my mentality. Now, you know, I think if if someone asked me, you know, maybe a young couple who possibly is listening to this, you know, what 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 is the what is the big what is like the big lesson to be learned here? And the big lesson to be learned here is when you get married and have children, you cannot put your children in front of the marriage. Like the marriage always has to be priority number one. And look, your kids are going to be like priority 1A, right? They're not very far below what that priority is. But because if you lose that connection as a married couple, everything else sort of dominoes after that. If But if that stays strong, then I think you can kind of get through whatever you want. And so, you know, Crystal, my fiance, she's like, we have talked about this and she has the same experience with having kids and, and, and the marriage not, you know, and maybe putting the marriage second or whatever. And like, that would be my excuse. You know, I'm not a religious person. I'm not someone who reads the Bible. 
there are pieces of the Bible where I read it and I go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And that's one of them, which is to make sure that your marriage comes in front of your kids. Because if it doesn't and you put the kids first, then you know one of the spouses is always having to compete against their own child for attention or whatever. And it just mm. doesn't work that way. Yeah, my perspective, and I say this as someone who does not have kids and has never been married is that looking at the relationships that I've encountered in my life and looking at my own family relationships growing up, I, you know, I didn't grow up. I mean, I guess I did grow up raised by a married couple, but they were my grandparents. While I think they loved each other, I don't think they liked each other very mm -hmm. much. And I've seen a lot of instances in my family where, where I, I've been like, you know what, y'all would probably be just as good raising the kids separately and not <laughs> being married because if you're doing the staying together for the kids thing maybe it benefits the kids maybe not i think that's very specific to each individual situation but you're also doing a disservice to yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and you know uh removing years not removing years from your life but devaluing years in your life because you can still have valid important relationships while being separated or divorced from your partner and still loving your kids and your kids are going to follow examples, right? And kids are smarter than we give them credit for a lot of times. So it's kind of like if uh, a kid knows that mom and dad or mom and mom and dad or dad and dad are staying together because of them, even though they're not necessarily happy or unfulfilled, that will not only potentially carry over into the kids' relationships, but it'll also affect your is a parent relationship with the kids, because I think the kid's going to get some kind of guilt complex. No, I think that's right. But and, and the thing that this is a hard one, because people, even adults, when our feelings get hurt, the old Eddie Murphy joke, you hold on to that like luggage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. It's, it's so hard to overcome. Like you would think, you know, as a human being, as an adult, as someone who has you know, you you personally, I know you always consider yourself a work in progress, but you have also mastered certain things about life in your 43 and change years in life. <laughs> like myself, right? There are things that we consider like, okay, like this moment, I know what this moment feels like. I know how to get through this moment. This moment, okay, maybe maybe not so much. And I know I'm going to have to challenge myself and work through this thing. But the, I think, you know, you look at a lot of divorces and a lot of it is they cannot, uh, each individual cannot get over the hurt or the pain or the frustration. And it causes the divorce to be uh, very hard on everybody. And I think the thing that is maybe people who have not been divorced or maybe have not been, been married, I think what they undervalue in this moment is you know, we just we, I I opened up talking about labels, and when you're married, that becomes a label for you. Mm -hmm. It's my husband, my wife, our family, and that's how you start to introduce yourself. You know, and when you talk to somebody, when you talk to somebody new, you're gonna bring up the fact that that you're married and that you have kids, and so you're leading with this information. And when that changes, all of a sudden you go, uh oh. How does that look to the outside world? Like I've been, I've been telling this outside world that this is great. My wife, my kids, I'm happily married. We have this house, dog, cars, everything. 
And then when that changes, how are you going to explain to everybody that that is now different and do it in a way that's like dignified, right? Like nobody wants to be a wet blanket uh, <laughs> on all of your friends and family when you tell this story. Like you're trying to figure out your own emotions and then uh, and then talking about others. And you know, the thing that for me, the thing that I didn't I didn't really expect was how hard it was going to be to get everybody on the same page as me with what Carol and I eventually wanted to do. Because, you know, when we got divorced, we said, okay, here's what we want this to look like. We're staying friends. We're splitting time with the kids. You know, we're both going to be very active. We're not going to let, you know, jealousy interfere with us being able to support our kids like we had always intended. And that was hard, uh, you know, because there's other people involved at this point, you know, because she got remarried not that long after we got divorced. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's another person here and, you know, now that person is her person. And so the, the thing that is the thing that I it kind of caught me off guard is like I have that plan with her and her new husband is connected to that plan because he's got a family and he's trying to do that with his kids and his ex-wife not as successfully which was a frustrating thing for all of us but what about my parents and my family and my friends and getting them bought in on this idea like I was just assuming like okay like you know, my parents love me. They love the kids. Uh, I hear, I'm going to tell them, here's the plan. And they're going to be like, you know what? Got it. It's good. But it was actually the opposite. It huh. was like, how, like, like you're telling me how to feel in this moment. And that's not fair. Like, that's what I was getting back. Like, uh, my best friend, um, you know, he, we, we were with some friends and, um, he was saying, Cause you know, he was, he was over the house a lot and he would come over. He's the, you know, he's really close to my kids. Like they don't, they, they just call him uncle. Like the, he's that, that's what they, what they call him even right. today. Right. And so he was like, you know, I, I built this relationship with these kids and with you and with Carol. And now you're telling me things are changing and how am I supposed to feel about that? Like, I don't know what that future looks like. And so I was like taken aback. I was like, holy crap. Like these people are affected with the divorce, not quite as affected as, as Carol and I, but they were feeling so much pain and so much hurt and so much frustration. And so it was almost like I had to be strong for everybody and I'm the one going through it. At least that's how I felt. That, sure. that, that's probably a selfish feeling, but that's kind of what I felt. And same with pops, you know, same with mom. They did not get on the same page as early as I wanted them to. So that's the one thing that I just didn't expect. I just assumed everyone was going to kind of get in line behind me and then we were all going to do this and it didn't work out that way. Eventually it did. But I'm sure like if you ask them, you know, their, what their vision of the family looked like in 2000 and 2001 and 2002 and 2003, and what it actually became, it was a little different. Now, everybody worked hard. Everybody, you know, my, my parents are in 
Tucson, Arizona, they, they moved there and that's where my kids go to school. So my parents actually see my kids, you know, at this point more than I do. Wow. So it worked out, you know, they didn't move there because the kids were, it was like complete coincidence, but like, I'm sure the fact that, you know, my kids were going to school there helped them make that decision. But, you know, now things, you know, 15 years later, um, are, are just about as good as you could could expect. But I do wonder, you know, and I haven't really talked to anybody about this, but, you know, I do wonder 15 years later, you know, how did that change for them? Because I know all the work that I put in and all the pain and frustration and hurt and overcoming that that I put in, but I'm sure they had to deal with it in their own way too. And that was, you know, that, that was hard and, and, it's not like I'm going to apologize for getting divorced, but I do wish, you know, for their sake that relationships didn't really have to change or that they could have been doing, you know, the same thing. But, you know, even in adjustment, everyone has to sort of adapt and adjust and and you kind of get out of it what you put into it. And I think we all sort of as a community and as a family, we're just like, OK, like whatever it takes, we're going to get there. But I'm sure some people you know, maybe got their feelings hurt along the way. And, you know, that's just kind of what happens. Now, was that ever discussed while it was happening? Like, hey, why are you doing this? Because I feel way X. Yeah, it was. And those are some hard conversations. You know, I never expected to have to parent my dad through a situation like this, right? right. Because he just didn't know what he didn't know how to feel. He didn't know all he felt was anger and at some point, I was like, okay, here's the deal. You have to get on this page. Because if you don't get on this page, then your relationship with your grandkids looks a little different. Sure. And you don't want that to happen. So deal with your feelings the way that you need to deal with them. But do it now because all you're doing is you're just – wasting time to where you can because these kids they, they don't know why you're not here or why you're frustrated like they're just like they're having to deal with their own stuff and then they see you as a grown adult not being able to cope i'm the one who's like being strong for them so if you want to support me this is how you have to do it and if not then okay i'm not saying that things are going to completely change but it's like it's almost like bus is here like get on or get left behind. And right. to have that conversation with a parent who's a great grandparent, um, has been completely involved with the kids, you know, I think that was the moment. I, I, if you ask him, I don't know. I don't know if he even remembers how that happened. But, <laughs> you know, that was the moment where it was like, okay, like, if you're going to be who you say that you are, this is how we're doing it. And it, it took a little while, probably took us a good six months or or whatever. But, you know, eventually it did happen the way that Carol and I uh, wanted it to. And, you know, now I, this is kind of funny just because as we're talking about this, she sends me this text and she's like, okay, here are the school loans that are under my name for these kids. And, you know, how are we going to handle the taxes this year? You know, they're both over 18. And so I have to concede some some tax stuff uh, right. for her so she can get some deductions. So how does all this play into now getting married a second time? I mean, it feels like you've, you, you want to obviously want to get married just from knowing you, it seems like you've, since the divorce, you've been looking in terms of finding a relationship again. So now how does it feel to be doing this for a second time all these years later? Well, you know, people ask when you get divorced, 
and and sometimes I think they ask this because they're in their own maybe marriages where they're wondering mm-hmm. if their grass is greener. And they say, you know, would you get married again? And I and I said the 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 actual uh, agreement of marriage is not the thing that failed us. You know, it was a bunch of different things, but the the union is is not the scary part. Like I actually embrace the union piece. So thinking of you know whether or not I was going to get married again, I I hoped I wanted to, but also if it didn't work. I knew that I was going to be self-sufficient because, you know, in the process of the time where I was divorced dad and I wasn't really looking to get into a serious relationship again, what I did was I just worked on myself. You know, having to deal with depression really for, you know, one of the first times ever was the the day that, you know, I had to move into a new apartment and drop the kids off with mom. The house is, the new apartment is silent. And at that moment, you know, the silence wasn't silence. The silence was this loud ringing in my right. ears. It's deafening. And so I had to learn how to deal with that and how to deal with there not being noise in the house 24-7. You know, what do I do with all of these extra hours now? So, you know, I decided to really, um, you know, make sure that I was in the gym as much as possible. I built content website. I started, I went to work for a startup. Like, so I busied all of my time so that I wouldn't feel this way. And it was a way to kind of cope, but it was also things that I needed to do to kind of build myself back up. Because, you know, when you're going through something like this, <clears throat> you constantly feel down. You feel like you failed at something. Sure, you feel absolutely. sad. And that's not, my natural being, right? My natural being is not super up or super down. I'm pretty much in the middle. And so to to kind of get back to that middle was really what I had to do and to feel good about myself again. Because, you know, when you're in a divorce, you feel like you're not good enough anymore. And that's not how I wanted to feel. So all of those things. And now, so going into this again, Crystal is like, I'm very glad that we found each other in the time that we did because we both had to go through what we did in order to find each other. But she is, I I don't want to say, you know, it's, 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 you know, people's, oh, I found my match, my perfect match. It's my soulmate, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. Like you're setting yourself up a little bit by saying those things, but she is, you know, she is the perfect person for this version of me. And I think that I am also that for her in her perfect, in her version of herself today. And so, you know, we've both been through similar experiences, but those experiences did not deflate us from the idea of getting married again. And that was a big deal. You know, we, we, it's important to both of us to signify this relationship. Like neither of us would be comfortable just dating for three years or five years and staying engaged forever. Like we're both like, look, here's, here's what we want to do. And these are the things we're going to do, you know, in the future. So we need to signify this and, and, and it's important for, for both of us to do so. And I'm not scared in the least to get married again, because it wasn't marriage's fault that I got divorced. That is a great way of putting that. I'm actually impressed by how you put that together. So uh, let's switch gears very slightly and just talk about the fact that you have 
well, now four sons. I'm curious what the difference has been, A, raising the older boys versus raising the younger boys, or or and or raising all of these boys. How how does that differ from the way you were raised by your dad? By yeah, your that's parents, that's actually. that's uh, that's super interesting because I think growing up, you know, I was a pretty self sufficient kid. Um, you know, I, sports occupied a lot of my time, but I had other hobbies like you know, you know, you you probably similar locking yourself in your bedroom and listening to whatever the hot seven at seven show was, <laughs> you know, nine at nine, the whole thing yeah, that yeah. you were listening to. And so, you know, I was listening to music and I was just kind of growing in that way. But from the, the male perspective of, of my, my growing up, you know, dad was pushing me into sports and pushing me into, into, you know, just staying active. And, and this is what he knew as uh, 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 in his, you know, in his growing up, because his pops did not do that for him. It was actually his mom that kind of pushed him into those things. So I think he wanted me to, you know, he wanted me to play as as much as possible, and that was really important to him. Um, but you know, as <clears throat> it's still sports and our fandom and our knowledge, you know, specifically in baseball, like we both coached together as we got older. Like I helped him coach in high school and I was just out of high school and he helped me coach my kids when I was still playing adult baseball, you know, when in, I was in my mid to late twenties, like he came back to, to coach because he saw that I was, you know, dealing me dealing with grown adults and trying to play at the same time was kind of hard. So he helped me there. So our bond has really been around that but if you think about what coaching is and it, and, and it you know I, had, I haven't ever really thought about it this way but coaching is really um a mentorship that's how he also looked at coaching you know he has there if you look at his facebook page i'm guessing that you know outside of his family 50 percent of his friends are actually kids who he coached when he was, uh, you know, when he was a much older person, and he was coaching them in high school and stuff. So he sees those relationships, I think, as, you know, sort of mentorships. And, and so it doesn't surprise me that things that we did together as I grew up, were in this sort of coach player role, because that's how sort of he saw his role uh, in, in those moments. But, you know, what's interesting is, it's not like, like, you know, people say that, oh, my hero is X or, oh, this is the person, um, you know, that I look up to or whatever. And look, I look up to both of my parents. I think they're they're good people. But he never raised me with the idea that he was like this end goal for me. Right. Huh, all right. Like like it wasn't like that when I grew up, I wanted to be just like my dad because he knew that he had faults. He wanted me to achieve higher. But what he also told me, and I don't know if he told me this or if he just sort of showed it to me, is really like putting people on pedestals is going to be hard because everybody is human. Everybody's going to fail at some point. So if you're trying to achieve something, like it really has to come from within. So for instance, like let's say in 1993, you know, where my baseball, I, I'm so focused on baseball, not only playing, but like really learning the game and focusing on the game. And let's say that in 1993, I go, you know what? My hero is Barry Bonds. And then in the year 2001, 
he's got the steroid stuff going. So I'm putting this guy on a pedestal who is absolutely failing from a moral perspective in a lot of people's eyes. And so why would you put anybody on a pedestal really, right? So that's kind of how I was uh, how he he explained it to me is people are people. You should not look down upon Barry for doing that, but that's also why you don't put him on a pedestal because you need to achieve for yourself. You know you don't need to look at someone who you don't know, who you've never met as this perfection that you want to gain. And so I never really looked at anybody like that, him included. I just kind of tried to piece things that I that I took from people and kind of bring them to me that I thought were 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 uh were really good. And so when it comes to parenting my own kids, taught them the same lessons. And I was telling Crystal the other day, I was like, doing this a second time, you know, I'm and really I'm I'm support for her. Like she is the <laughs> right. she is the uh you know the engine that makes this place uh, go. What I do in 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 the second go round is I call it the greatest hits. <laughs> because I know what worked and didn't work with my kids, right? But I also know that as my dad, when my dad was, uh, you know, when he was a grandfather, there are certain things that he did because they because like that's it's not necessarily the age difference, but it's actually closer to that age difference than the age difference between me and my kids. Right. Like the difference in, in age between me and Crystal's oldest is about 30, uh, 33 years and that's closer to the age difference between my dad and my kids than me and my kids when they were born. So it's like, it's not quite, it's, 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 but it it is closer. And so I just go back to the things that he did when my kids were young as grandfather. And I, I just take from him too. I was like, Oh, I remember he used to do this. He used to do this. He used to do this. And so my relationship with, uh, with the twins and, and with the, uh, the youngest is like, I just pull from this bag of tricks and, you know, and I call it the greatest hits because it's, it's not me going like, I have to create these things because parenting is really about creation. Like, you know, kind of the things that you want, but it doesn't always work that way. And so you're like solving, you're, you're like solving for problems constantly on the go. And like, I've already been through that and I know how to do that. And I, and like I said, I'm support right now. So, you know, Crystal's doing that uh, currently, and I'm just kind of backing her up and going like, okay, well, what about this? Well, we can do this. Here's This is how they may feel. And then when I'm with them, you know, I'm just doing the same stuff that I did with my kids and, and the stuff that worked. And and uh, it's kind of fun because you it's like you have this mastery. And, and look, parent, parenting is not about mastery. Parenting is about being present. But I, you know, I have this just clear visions of things that I would do with my kids that I can now utilize with, with uh, her kids that um, is fun. And it makes, and it makes it fun the second time around. And I don't feel, you know, part of being around children is, is you don't feel old. You don't feel your age because they kind of bring you down to their level. And so I really enjoy that piece too, because as we get older, our childhood keeps getting further and further, further, further away. away yeah and that's one way to kind of bring it back a little bit or even bringing me back to you know 20 years ago in my earlier 20s is to is to be around children and so i i really enjoy that aspect of it well you have to sort of reactivate that mindset it's a whole place you have to put yourself in again where your thought process now has to be what a 10 year old's or 
a 13-year-old or a 21-year-old's thought process would be. No, it's a great point. And, you know, when when we are teenagers, um, you know, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get away from our childhood because we want to be independent want to be adults. Up. We want yeah. to be grown-ups. You, you don't make your childhood wrong, but if anybody, you know, one way that someone could actually really get under your core as a 17-year-old maturing person is to say, quit acting like a child, right? Like that's <laughs> where you get to, you, it's like, what? Like, I'm I'm not a child. I'm getting so far away from childhood. And so you you, you grow up and, and you do your thing and that thing still resonates. At least it resonated with me was like, you're acting like a child. And I'm like, that's the furthest thing that I want to be in this moment. But as you get older, you're like, why not you know, yeah. be a little bit more think like a younger person or remember your childhood like there's there's this it's just weird that you know we try and get as far away as possible and then we reach a certain point and you're like you know what that was fun like this shit is hard like life is hard like going to work is hard so the grass is always greener man it's 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 a kind of an interesting thing and i you know and it makes me wonder about uh these child actors and these pop singers who have been um you've had to grow up so fast and then you know you you sort of look at them as maybe as a little immature and it's like yeah no shit of course they're going to be immature because they were trying to grow up so fast and they missed a lot of this stuff in their childhood and so you know for my kids the the ones that are in college you know, they had a good childhood. They had both their parents there. They had an extra step parent there. They had their grandparents there, tons of family. So I think their trajectory of their childhood was actually pretty solid. But, you know, there is a point where I think and I think what happened is is as divorced parents, you almost overcorrected the problem because you wanted to make sure they felt secure and that their self-esteem was high and that they felt good about themselves. And so you almost did it too much. And then when college came, it was the perfect opportunity to go, okay, you, we, you know, we, we really took care of you. And now you kind of have to figure it out on your own as, you know, an 18 year old or a 19 year old or whatever. And that's an interesting thing because some kids like you, like you, you had to grow up in a in a different way faster than I did. Now I had kids at a young age, so I had to grow up uh, fast too. But it was sort of a different kind of maturation process for both of us. Sure. And my kids did not have to do any of that, right? Like <laughs> everything was like sort of the you know no childhood is perfect, but everything was sort of like mapped correctly, and and uh, their journey was was uh, very much kind of the the one that you want. So. Uh, so yeah, so the, you know that that is an interesting thing to think about, though, is, is for those of us who maybe we had to grow up a little bit faster. You know, do we hate our childhood more, or do we like look back on it and say, "Man, you know, I wish it was more like that." As you get older, you can reflect on stuff like that. As you're younger, you're moving so dang fast that you don't really have time to reflect, and you don't really have the tools to reflect either. Like you don't know what the future looks like. You don't know what I think. Part of the allure when you're a teenager and being an adult is kind of like, I don't have to listen to nobody and I'm going to make all my own money and I'm going to spend it on whatever I want, all that stuff. And you're not necessarily thinking about bills and bosses. You're sort of seeing the good spots of being an adult and not really able to process when the adults in your life, whether they're parents or teachers or whatever, are stressed out or anything like that, just because 
being able to provide for yourself and not have to, you know, the real allure of adulthood is really like, I can do whatever I want and not have to listen to anybody. But when you grow up, you realize there is a fair amount of listening to people. It's independence, but dependence on certain things to kind of keep the independence going. Yeah, you're unless you're your own boss, right? Which I mean happens to a very very small percentage of people. Yeah, and, and you know, and let's be honest, like the idea of not having to sneak your girlfriend or boyfriend or oh, the sure. person you're dating in, you know, is, is very attractive. Sure. Too. I mean, it's like you want all of these. Per- and I, you know, think back to when I was a kid, and I was like, I'm gonna, and I didn't really have a scope on. You know, oh shit, how am I going to pay the rent each month? And, you know, what is this bill? And what is this bill? And what happens if I have to go to the hospital and insurance and kind of all this other stuff? It, it, it's good to enjoy being a kid and enjoying kid things and not grow up too fast, I guess, is the point of that. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think now when someone says, you know, I, I haven't heard that in, in a while, you know, stop being a child. Because I, I think I'm, you know, I don't think people, I think people think that I'm, you know, fairly mature. And I like, like we said, you know, I'm level-headed person. You are one of the most level-headed human beings I know. (laughs) But you know, that just, just the thought of gaining a little bit of your youth back and thinking a little bit more childlike, it is a very attractive thing because, you know, that's inspiration and creation. And, and so to go through this again, with uh with the three kids, it's fun. And it's, it's not, you know, you know, this is one thing that I did with my kids where, my the way that I talked to them was like an adult would mm-hmm. talk to another adult because I wanted their communication skills. I wanted them to see verbal ticks. I wanted them to see physical sort of uh, ticks that where you understood the context uh, of the situation. You know, a lot like my sister. You know, she would create cutesy names for foods for her daughter, and then her daughter would would come over and I would give them like the real name of the food and like because I, I just wanted I wanted my kids to understand language to the best possible case because you know miscommunication is like where every problem in this world exists yep. is just in miscommunication so you know I wanted them to to really be smart about words and language and comprehension and so I would say things to them like I would say them to an adult. Now, I'm also not 100% serious when I'm saying that to them because the the sense of humor thing was always something I wanted them to have as well. But, you know, now doing it with the, with the, the 10-year-old and, and the 4-year-old, I actually had to uh, uh, make sure that I wasn't offending the 4-year-old the other day because she had uh, – I picked her up from school. <clears throat> she had a cookie on her way out from school. And then I got home and and uh, Crystal had made cookies the night before. And like, I'm not, you know, I'm really watching my my sugar intake. I, I generally do that. Uh, and so she's like, oh, you know, I made these cookies in sort of a low carb way. So if you want one, it's totally fine. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. And then I go to grab it and the four-year-old already has it. <laughs> and I'm like, And I'm like, hey, you know, this is you know, you had a cookie. I haven't had a cookie. Should we share this? And she's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and, and so I was, I was like, you know what? This is actually good. Cause I don't really need it. You know, she can have it. Uh, it's, she's probably doing me a favor, but I wasn't going to let her off the hook. And so I looked at her and I said something to the effect of like, you know, you had a cookie. I didn't have a cookie. So don't you think it would be nice 
you know, I picked you up from school. I bought you dinner. All I'm asking for is the cookie. And she was doing, uh, she was drawing or something. And she kind of looked up and was like, nah, I'm good. And then she just kept doing her her thing. And I was like, and so I was like, uh, I, I think I said something like, well, you know, uh, now, now I know, you know, what's going on here or something. And then I just walked away because I had to go pick up uh, something else. And then I walked it back and I was like, you know that I'm kidding, right? She's like, yeah, I know you're kidding. And I was like, okay, good. Just making sure. I want to end this on a question. Is there anything when your kids have kids and you become, you know, Grandpa Gigi, what do you hope, what do you hope that your kids pass to their kids that came from you? And what do you hope your kids pass to their kids that you did not tell your kids? You know, we grew up in a, it, it seems like from when we were born to now, history has advanced so much. Culture has yeah. advanced so, so much. And and I don't know how people are going to take this when I say this, because but I think it's a very important conversation to have. Uh, and it's sort of related to your question. You know, when I was uh, when I was growing up, my dad would always say something to the effect of, you know, uh, he would relate a story into the future and just be like, yeah, you know, when you when you get your girlfriend or when you have a girlfriend or when you get married to your wife or whatever. And then and then I would do that with my kids, too. You know, oh, you know, when you get when you have a wife or when you have a girlfriend X, Y and Z. And I did that here with one of the twins one day. And Crystal interrupted me. She's like, <clears throat> boyfriend or girlfriend. And I was like, Oh yeah, like that like that is a real That is a real thing. thing. And so just from the time that I was born or that my kids were born, it was so conventional to only look at it in that way. Right. And Crystal wants her kids to uh not be for them to be uh to see that as being okay and i'm like yep you're exactly right but that's where you know i'm a little you know my raising of kids was uh was further back and so that is an adjustment that i've had to make and i have to now be cognizant of that so i thought that was so interesting and so i guess to answer your question now you know i really what it is is um you know, I, I sort of feel like I'm remixing things, right? Like I'm remixing what I would learn from my dad and from what I taught my kids, and I'm remixing it now for 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 her kids. But for my kids to when they have their own children, I think the the main thing that I hope they take away is that you know the marriage, if you get if they are married when they have these children, that it does have to go first before the kids, and also that. Um, you know, just because they are a product of divorced parents, that doesn't mean that their fate is sealed as far as their marriage and that they can fully have like it. But it also doesn't mean that they have to stay married. You know, like I think when you look at sort of your history or your parents, we almost feel sometimes like we are defined by those things. And I want them to be to know that they are not defined by that they they may have been they may have a certain view of the world that exists through this lens of being the product of divorced parents but that doesn't mean that their fate is sealed when it comes to relationships so i want them to know that and also to teach that 
to their kids because the most imp- like after your childhood, maybe your next important uh, relationship with someone is whoever you you're gonna find in this world, and and maybe they're a bunch of relationships because you're not staying with one person and you're you're being with. 10 people over the course of, uh, you know, many years. So, but I I want them to sort of be independent of this thought that because they are the product of divorced parents, that this is how they have to view things. And this is the lens that they view them in. And then to pass that on to their own kids. Now, as far as what, what I didn't have, um, or, 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 you know, or what I didn't teach them or whatever. I mean, I think it's just this cultural thing, right? It's just, we need to keep up. We need to advance. We need to, you know, we need to make sure that, um, we are pushing, um, equality to the fullest. We are making sure that we, uh, uh, the sensitivities of everyone we deal with are at the top of our mind. Now, you know, maybe life was easier 50 years ago when you didn't have to think about offending somebody with every word that you said, but I don't think there's a problem with being careful in your words for the, the, the people surrounding you. Like that, that just means you have to be present in, in every moment. And that's not something that I was actually raised on. And I had to learn that, much later in life, both through trial and error and through, you know, taking, you know, classes to kind of get to know those things. So, you know, being mindful, being present, understanding the room, really being aware of your surroundings. um, Those are the things that I would hope that my kids can pass on to theirs. And being empathetic. I mean, just understanding that people in your circumference may have different experiences than you do, than Empath- you have. Emp- empathy is kind of the the thing that defines all of that. So that's right. the perfect word. And empathy, it's it's so funny because I feel like empathy is like this buzzword today. And I'm like, no, that stuff, empathy has existed forever. It's just human beings, we are so selfish that we only think about ourselves, which is the opposite of, of, of empathy, right? Like right. if you're not thinking of others or you're not putting yourself in their shoes, that's like summarizing all of that is just in one word. And you know, you are a wordsmith. <laughs> it, it is empathy. That, that's, that's the thing. Well, thank you for that compliment. Uh, is there anything you want to promote? Cause you have a bunch of stuff going on and, and uh, oh, I yeah. want to make sure you get a little, little shine there. Yeah. You know um, I do, I do a podcast we cover uh, mixed martial arts and boxing and pro wrestling. It is called the Fight Game Podcast. You can find it on every possible um, podcast application. And uh, the website that I run is uh, fightgamemedia.com. Um, and I guess, you know, the, I think the most important thing is uh, as far as that promotion is 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 Twitter because we all you know a lot of us use Twitter these days. I know <laughs> some, you're, some of us I know, don't. <laughs> I know you're kind of off the Twitter thing yes. right now. Um, I I you know I think I think if you use it for promotion, it's solid. But if you you know if you use it as like this communication tool, it could definitely go off the rails. Uh, but uh, the the spelling of my Twitter handle is R-O-H-E-B-L-I-U-S. And the whole reason that I have this handle is because it's a made-up word and I didn't need to, like, you know, try and find this dynamic word that that what didn't someone already didn't have. It's already there. 
Yeah. Um, and and so I can get you know, I can get it everywhere for every possible social media. But before uh, before I go, I think the thing that I want to say to you is, you know, you and I met in an interesting way, mm-hmm. which is through like social media before it was social media. Yeah, proto social media. And and so we have connected. You know, we connected because of our likes and our uh, and our interests, um, and because of writing really and community. And, you know, so over the years, you and I have only seen each other in person like a handful of times. Yeah, five or six times, I think. Maybe a little more than that. And so, you know, now we're talking about, uh, you know, we've known each other for 15 plus years. We've known each other for almost 20 years. Yeah, it's going to be 20 <laughs> soon. And it, it, another takeaway maybe from this conversation is that your people are your people, right? Yeah, man. Like you are, you are, you've always been on the East Coast. I've always been on the West Coast. You have made time for me. I have made time for you. And, and that, that doesn't mean that we had to get on the phone and have conversations for hours upon hours. We would do it through any avenue possible through email or through, you know, social media or, or whatever. Text or through whatever. text. Yeah. And so, the um one of the things that I wanted to do for this wedding, and depending on how we were going to do this wedding, was I wanted to I wanted you to be a part of it. And some people in my sort of present life who don't really know a lot about you, they may have been surprised about you know me wanting you to do this wedding because they're like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. He came <laughs> he came to California once, and we all hung out. Yeah, I didn't know you guys were still friends the reality of the situation is is as we sort of became adults and we kind of grew into who we are today one of those through lines was that we stayed connected now we we have never lost touch yeah and so i think that when it comes to friendships that is super important because we didn't have to live next to each other. We didn't have to go to the same high school. We didn't have to even live in the same state or even on the same side of the U.S. And if you if you make time and if you want a friendship to work, you can make it work. And and we have been able to make made this friendship through the channels that we did work. And so that's why you know I I wanted to to fly you out for our wedding um, to be the efficient. Uh, and you're gonna you're gonna be the person who marries us, and that's really important to me. I'm not the pushy type, so when I kind of told Crystal kind of what my idea was, she's like, "Okay," and then she's <laughs> like, "What? What's like? What's the information?" And so I was asking for information. She's like, "Okay," boom, 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 boom. She books the flight, and I'm just like, "Holy crap!" Like that just happened so fast. And she's like, "No, like I really want. This is the person you want to do this, and we're gonna make it happen." So. That you know, that was important to me, and you are important to me, and Likewise. that's and that's you know that's why I want you out here. No, man, that means a lot, and uh, you know, you've always been uh, a support. And again, it just kind of underscores the fact that if if someone's your people, then they're your people, whether they're next door or up the street or thousands of miles away. Like it's really important to maintain connections and community. And I've always been impressed by the the view that you have on community and I've tried to emulate that, you know, sort of in my immediate circle. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful that, uh, you know, we've been able to, to stay in touch and stay not just in touch casually, but stay close all of these years. And um, 
you know, that I'm able to sort of fly out and do this. Like this is, it's, it's going to be a good time, and, you know, and I'm super happy for you because you've been through a lot and you've, you've earned this. So no, it's, it's going to be great. I'm glad you're going to be there. You know, it's, uh, in this moment, you know, I'm not, I, I have no problem sort of doing this stuff and, and talking, but I, I, I don't really like to be the center of attention. Um, but this is kind of the one day where, you know, Crystal's going to be center of attention. I'm going to be center of attention. Yeah. And so I have to kind of overcome that little thing, but having your support, having your friends there, having people who are going to fly across the U S to, to be there for you, it's really important. And I think, you know, that there, there was this, um, there was this thing that came out recently and you actually tagged me in it and it was saying that you know men need to ch tell each other how much they love each other yes and and i've always been a proponent for that with my own kids um my parents didn't my parents didn't really say that that much to me as I, as i was growing up but i know it's sort of like that time frame was probably a little harder to do that um, and I, you know, but I'm constantly telling my kids, you know, that I love them and stuff, but also with your friends and the people who are important to you. So, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we, we always sort of called each other like, you know, brother from another mother. But, you know, I want to tell you personally that I love you like a brother and I'm just very happy that uh, that you're going to come out here. Well, that means a lot to me, Garrett. I certainly feel the same way. Uh, and, you know, if I ever get married, which... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, man. Never say never. <laughs> I won't say never. <laughs> I'll say unlikely. Mm -hmm. But you know, I hope that that you're able to come out here and uh, and you know participate in that. So, Absolutely. I book your trip for uh, 2028. <laughs> whenever the hell that's going to be. We're going to um, be old by then. <laughs> you know, brown don't crack. I got to admit, Garrett threw me for a loop at the end of that conversation. I was not expecting that. Uh, I want to thank him for being so open and honest, and I wish him all the best for his upcoming wedding. You can find Garrett on Twitter and Instagram at Roheblius. That is R-O-H-E-B-L-I-U-S. And if wrestling or MMA is something that you enjoy, make sure you check out his site, FightGameMedia.com. Also, if you want to know who the people in your neighborhood are like that old Sesame Street song, head on over to Nextdoor.com, the site he co-founded. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or on Podbean, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss another episode, and please use the hashtag DetoxPod if you're discussing the show. Leave a review anywhere that you can, and tell your friends about Detoxicity if you think they'll enjoy it. If you have any questions about the show, or if you'd like to be a guest, shoot me an email, DetoxPod at gmail.com. You can also like this podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash DetoxPod, or you can follow me or slide into my DMs on Instagram at It's Mike Joseph. I am Mike Joseph, and I thank you for listening. Catch you next time. Peace.